doing that. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Happy Easter, and it's a beautiful day. Um, and uh, I'm thankful that it's not as windy today as it was yesterday. Um, can you imagine trying to do the Easter egg hunt as the Easter eggs are flying all over the place? <laughs> trying to chase them down. And so, uh, God bless you. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to spend just a few moments. Uh, we'll be a little bit more brief this morning. I want to thank each of you that are here. Maybe some are here visiting today. Uh, maybe some are here to be with family members who are making this very important decision um, to, to be baptized. And I'm sure some of you, when you walked in, you thought, this is really weird. We're walking in on an Easter Sunday. It looks like there's a coffin in the front. <laughs> how, let's be honest. How many of you kind of thought that at first? Right? I mean, it kind of... Talk about symbolism. You know, like, wow, Pastor Joe is really going all out for the symbolism. And so uh, this is a baptismal tank, if, and there's water in there, okay, just for, just for clarification. It's not, a, it's not a tomb. It's not uh, a coffin. It is a baptismal tank. Um, now, I do have a couple parents who asked me to hold their children under a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> to try to get any of the, the devil out of them, you know. <laughs> uh, I know when I baptized my own kids, I kind of threatened them with that. I was going to hold you under just a little bit longer. Praise the Lord. First Corinthians 15, follow along with me. I want to speak on this subject just for a few moments this morning. Paul really is the one who addresses it as he addresses the resurrection of Christ. He gives us really the clearest definition of what the gospel is. But he, he basically puts the resurrection of Christ on trial, if you will, as he writes to the church, but not only to the church, to the skeptics. There's a lot of people who would say, well, Jesus Christ, you know, yes, he lived. There's really no argument whether or not Jesus lived. There's so much. There's probably more historical evidence, more, archaeology, more archaeological evidence that Jesus existed than probably even Abraham Lincoln. And that's, that's just the facts. There's so much evidence that Jesus Christ did live. And we're going to see here that there's quite a bit of evidence that not only did Jesus live, we know that as believers that he died but really, we have to ask this question, did Jesus Christ really resurrect from the dead? And that's really what Paul is, is addressing here. Is Christ truly risen indeed? And notice what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which received and on which you have taken your stand. Verse, uh, where are we at? Verse six, uh, number two. By, by this gospel, I like this. By this gospel, you are saved. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I have received, I passed on to you as of the first importance. Notice what's the first importance. This is what he says. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried... I like this, though, that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Amen? And that he appeared. Notice what happens. He appeared to Cephas, uh, that's, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Now, this is when Paul wrote it. 
When he's writing to this church, he said many of these 500 witnesses were still alive. He says, and then later he appeared to James, and then he appeared to all the apostles. And last of all, this is Paul speaking, he says, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. Why? Paul tells us why. He says, because I persecuted the church of God. He said, I of all people were the, the, the least of the apostles, because he was not an original believer. He was the, one of the skeptics of all skeptics. He did not believe that Jesus truly was the Messiah. So much so that he went out and he was killing those who believed in the risen Lord. And so Paul reminds this church, he reminds believers of the importance. What is the gospel? In very clear form, Paul says the gospel is this. He says it's the most important thing. The first and most important thing is that Christ, it says that that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. That he was buried and that he arose again on the third day. So what is the gospel? It is clearly this, the death, the burial, but most importantly here, what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is risen. I'm going to ask that you just pray with me for a moment as we look at his word today. Lord, I pray you'd bless your word. Lord, I pray that you would bless the boys and girls as they're downstairs and they're hearing the same message that we're hearing today. And that is that Easter Sunday is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he truly has risen, that you are alive, Lord, that you are alive and you are at the right hand of our Father. And that is our hope. The gospel is, is, is our hope. It is all that we have as believers that Jesus died, he was buried, but he's alive. And because he is alive, Lord Jesus, because you are alive, we too can have the promise and the hope of eternal life through your finished work. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray if there's maybe even someone here or someone who will hear this message that may be somewhat of a skeptic, did Jesus Christ, is he really alive? I pray that today that they would come to the reality that Jesus Christ is risen, that you are alive and that you are well. Lord, we thank you for this blessed day, this special day. We thank you for those who will be baptized here in a little bit. We pray your blessing upon them. They too bear witness that you are alive, that you are have risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul really is kind of presenting a case. If you were to, if you will, kind of go with me or maybe think about this thought, but I believe Paul kind of almost makes this this argument, not only to the church, but to, to just to those who would read this letter, to you and I even today. He's presenting a case. You have to understand that Paul was one who didn't believe that Jesus was Lord. And we'll address that in a moment. But he didn't believe that Jesus Christ had risen. He did not believe in Jesus Christ. So much so that he even says that I I am not worthy of this gospel. By the way, can I just say this? None of us are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not worthy of the good news. But aren't you thankful for God's grace? Amen. That, that, That God said he loved the world and he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes upon him will have the promise of eternal life through Christ. And so Paul says, I am not worthy of this. I don't deserve this, this gospel. He reminds us that he too was once a skeptic, that he 
really did not believe in the resurrection of Christ. And, and so he, he gives us and he presents a case. He presents a case. It's a legal argument, if you will. And he puts the resurrection of Christ on trial. And I, I would say to you there are basically three, three things that Paul points out, or three truths, or three evidences, or if you will, three proofs. Now, we know that Jesus Christ lived, Jesus Christ existed, and few people really argue that point anymore because the fact of the matter, as I mentioned earlier, there's so much evidence, there's so much evidence that Jesus Christ did live, that he was born and he did live. And that's not the argument. But many a times there are those who believe that Jesus was just a good man or Jesus was just a prophet. But understand this, Jesus, when he was here, he said that he was the son of God. In fact, that's why they, 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 they crucified him. That's why they killed him. They said, that's blasphemy. Jesus even said this, I and my father, we are one. And the Bible says when they heard him say that in the gospel of John, that they took up stones and they wanted to kill him. And from that time, they sought for a time that would be convenient to take his life. Because Jesus, what he was saying is that he was more than just a man, that he was more than just a prophet. He was saying that he was Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, that Jesus Christ was God. And they said, well, show us a sign. And as Jesus was here, they would often say, show us a sign. And Jesus did many signs and many works and many miracles. The last miracle he performed up to this point was he raised a man from the dead and his name was Lazarus and he raised him from the dead. But they said, show us a sign. And as Jesus was here, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they said, show us a sign of who you really are. And Jesus said this, I'll show you a sign. The only sign I will give you is this. He says, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man himself, Jesus Christ, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's the sign that I am God. That I am the Messiah. Another time he said this. He says, I'll give you a sign. Destroy the temple. And in three days, I will build it up again. And they said, well, it took. And they began to argue. It took many years to build this temple. And Jesus probably chuckled and laughed and says, oh, you'll get it after a little bit. <laughs> the temple I'm talking about is this temple. Destroy this temple. But after three days, I will rise. Many times Jesus told his disciples and many times he told his followers and many times he told his skeptics and his critics that I'm going to die, but I will rise again. You see, understand this, all of Christianity rests on this one key event, the resurrection. Here in 1 Corinthians 15, I want to notice just a couple other verses. Notice what Paul says in verse 14. He says this, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. You see, if Jesus Christ has not risen, then our faith is in vain, he says. Notice the other verse there, verse number 17. He says this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. But notice what Paul says in verse 20. I love this. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He is alive. He has risen. Amen? Amen. 
And so he gives to us a number of evidences or proofs that Jesus is risen. The first one, if you will, would be Exhibit A. Exhibit A is the empty tomb itself. That it was a borrowed tomb that they placed Jesus in. And when they placed him in that tomb, everyone knew exactly where it was. And we know that he was buried in this borrowed tomb. Now remember, his skeptics knew that he said he was going to resurrect, right? So what did they do? What did his enemies do? What did those who hated him and wanted to ruin him, what did they do? They went to Pilate. They went to Rome and they said, hey, he said he's going to rise again after three days. So we want you to make some precautions. We want to prevent anything that could happen that could make it look like he has resurrected. And so there were precautions that were made to prevent him, if you will, from allowing his word to be true. In fact, they said, if something happens to the body of Christ, if something happens, that's worse than everything that's happened up to this point. (laughs) God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? They spoke it themselves. And so what happens? We know this, that there were precautions made. There was a stone placed in front of that tomb that weighs over two tons. That's a lot. There was a group of soldiers. Many theologians believe that there were 16 Roman soldiers that were placed there. And by the way, if they don't fulfill their duties or responsibilities, if they were allowed someone to come and steal that body, they would be executed. And you know the story that we know that the Lord obviously resurrected and they even said, well, we'll pay you to tell a lie. And then there's the Roman seal that's placed upon this tomb. The power and the authority of Rome, they have it sealed. No one is to touch it. On the third day, amen. You talk about the rolling stones. Let me tell you, the stone rolled away. There was a rock concert that day, amen. And the stone was rolled away. And can I just tell you something? That that stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that man could look in and see that the tomb is empty. He is alive. He is risen. And so Paul says, listen, yes, he he lived. Yes, he was buried. But he says that the tomb itself, the empty tomb, is evidence. It's proof that Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen indeed. Really, no one has been able to refute the empty tomb. And you can still go to that garden tomb to this day. And it's empty. It's empty. But I think one of the greater proofs, I know the empty tomb is powerful. But this is what I I think that many Christians miss. And it's it's recorded in the scriptures for us. And that is the the fact that Paul gives us another, another proof, another evidence, which I think is even far more important. And that is, yes, there's the empty tomb. And how do, you, how do you explain that? But here's, here's Paul's next exhibit, and that is this, the many witnesses. The many witnesses. As we read here, he talks about how, how many different people at different times on different occasions saw the resurrected Lord. And he had the evidence of it because he had the nail prints in his hands, in his feet, in his side. And remember, again, let's, let's remember this, that that there were those like Thomas who doubted and said, I won't believe, I won't believe until I see. And doubting Thomas became a believer when he saw the risen Lord. 
He saw him. He saw and touched and put his hand in the side and in his hands. The most outstanding proof that Jesus rose from the dead is that there were more than 525 eyewitnesses that saw him on at least 12 different occasions. As we read here, he talks about how Peter saw him. He says how uh, the 12 saw him. The Bible tells us that after his resurrection, he made many appearances. Remember, the very first was to a woman named Mary, Mary Magdalene, as she was in the garden, and she went and told the others. We see later that at night, he appeared to two walking on the road to Emmaus. We know that he appeared to the 12, the Bible says, but this one, which is really powerful, is that he appeared to over 500 witnesses at one time, the Bible tells us. Listen to the words of Acts. Luke, the physician, writes this in Acts 1, verse 3. He says this, after his suffering, after his passion, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So understand this. Jesus just didn't resurrect and that's it. He intentionally for 40 days kept showing himself and showing himself and teaching and speaking. And not just to one group or just a handful of people. But he he appeared to over 500 people at one time. He appeared to a group of 12, possibly upwards of another group of 120 that were in the upper room. He met with two. He met with one. He met with the 12. He even appeared to those like Thomas, as we mentioned, who doubted. And here's, here's the interesting thing. Is every single one of these witnesses were willing to die for their testimony, which made them credible witnesses. You know, we give Thomas a hard time, right? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Thomas doubted. If you read, Thomas became a missionary. Thomas became a preacher, an evangelist. There's different accounts of his death. There's some that say that he was drugged through the streets. We know that he died a martyr's death. Peter, Peter who denied the Lord and went from being a coward to being courageous, was crucified upside down and was a martyr for this testimony. Eleven of the twelve disciples other than John, died a martyr's death, saying that this witness is true, that what I am saying is true, that Jesus Christ is alive, that he has risen, and I am willing to suffer, I am willing to die for this word of testimony. It'd be one thing to die for something that's true, but can you imagine? Let me Honestly, let me ask this question. Would you really allow yourself to be tortured for hours to be crucified, to be burnt at the stake for a a testimony or a word that you know in your own heart is a lie? I highly doubt that. It's interesting as this is that you could bring in a courtroom one or two credible witnesses and they could literally have a person on death row or have a person brought to a point where they would be convicted of a crime 
on the word of one or two credible witnesses. Could you imagine this this morning if we could do it? If you're here and you're skeptical and if you're really wondering, but if we were to be able to, one, see the empty tomb, and two, be able to bring in witness after witness after witness, how long would it take to bring in 500 plus, 520, 525 plus witnesses? How, how long would that take for each one just to come out and say this, that I saw the risen Lord. I have seen him alive. I have saw him. I touched him. I heard him. There is no doubt. It would take quite a while. Should we just go ahead and do it just for fun? Even if it was just 10 seconds for 500 plus witnesses and they gave their life for that witness. They died for that testimony. Convincing testimony. There's another witness and Paul basically bears reference to it and he speaks of himself. And that is this, that Saul, who later became Paul, was probably... The most of all the critics, he did not believe that Jesus had risen until he was on his way to Damascus. He had just, he had just been a part of and really oversaw the stoning of Stephen, a man of God. And he martyred him, he killed him, murdered him. And he went with papers to go to Damascus to get the Christians who were running and fleeing to go after them. And on his way to Damascus, he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ. He encounters the Lord Jesus Christ, and immediately there's a change in his life. He realizes that I have been persecuting Christ and persecuting Christians. And and what I thought to be true was not true. And that Jesus Christ was God. And we see a miraculous change in the life of Saul, who later becomes the Apostle Paul. And later Paul gives his life for the fact that he said Jesus Christ is alive. Changed lives. The change in his disciples, they went from fear to courage. We see the change in doubting Thomas went from doubt to courage to becoming a missionary and evangelist and giving his life for the gospel. And then we see Saul here. We see Saul who becomes the Apostle Paul who died for his Lord. He said, I saw that Jesus Christ is real. He is alive. He is risen. And the change that took place in his life. Listen to these words in 2 Corinthians 5.17. We can put them there if we have them. But listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if any man, if any man is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When a person comes to a reality of who Jesus Christ is, let me tell you, it changes a person's life. How many of you could say, I bear witness to that? He has changed my life. Would you say Amen. That there's something that happens. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. That when you encounter Christ, listen, I have seen people, I've seen complete transformation in people's lives. I could stand here and tell you story after story after story. But can I tell you this? I know this. I know that Jesus is alive because he lives within me. I know he is risen because he is alive. He dwells within me. There's, his spirit is alive within me. 
the changed life of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He says there's a transformation that takes place. This last passage, Romans chapter 6, it kind of ties into what we're about to experience today. And that is this, is that believe it or not, what we're about to see and experience in baptisms in just a few moments, that this too is one of Paul's exhibits that Jesus Christ is alive. It is this, that he continues to work in people's lives and transform people's lives. That Jesus is alive and because he is alive, he lives in each of us. Amen? And he transforms us. Listen to what Romans 6 says. Romans 6, it uses the picture, uses the symbolism of baptism. And Paul says here, he says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Let me remind you of something. You, those of you and you that are here that are coming to be baptized, you're not being baptized into the church. You're not being baptized into Red Hills Church. This church cannot save you. You are baptized into Jesus Christ. Amen. And it is he that saves. And not the church. Not this church or any other church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. He is the foundation. The Bible says he's the chief cornerstone. And so when you come and when we're baptized, we are baptized into Jesus Christ. We were therefore buried with him through baptism. Notice the symbolism. We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the the Father, we too may live a new life. That's that transformation. That's that change that takes place when Jesus Christ comes in. Amen? He says you're raised to a new life. See the symbolism, the picture, the death, the burial, the resurrection? He says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Woo, praise God. For we know that our old self, I love this, our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That way we should no longer be a slave to sin. Because anyone who has died, has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Do we have verse 8 or not? Let me read verse 8 for you. Who has verse 8? i got to find it. I want verse 8. Oh, it is. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. It was already there. The Holy Spirit wanted me to read that one again. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Do you believe that? With all of your heart, do you believe that? Death, death is not the end for us. Death is the beginning of eternal life. And so in the moment when we baptize, it's a picture of the death Yes, the burial and resurrection of Christ, it's a picture of, yes, that someday we die, we're buried, but our spirit, our soul is alive with Christ. But even beyond that, what he's saying is this, is that our lives, we, are, we die to ourselves and we become a new creation in Christ. And he says, you have a new life in Christ. Isn't that awesome? 
And that's what this baptism is. In a moment when we come and we have these that have said, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I believe upon him. What they're saying is, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed. And it's the symbolism as we come. This water will not wash away sin. The blood of Jesus Christ washed away sin. Amen? But what it is, is it's, it's testifying. It's saying, I am a witness that Jesus Christ is alive, that he's risen. And I know that he's alive because he dwells within me. And I'm a new creation. And you know what happens? You bear witness that Jesus Christ is alive. You follow the many hundreds and thousands and millions of other witnesses over, over 2,000 years who have been willing to even give their life for that witness. We are here today because there are many who are willing to give their life to be baptized, to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. You who come today to be baptized, you bear witness that Jesus Christ is alive. I tell you, church, Jesus Christ is risen. Amen? And he is risen indeed. We're going to have a word of prayer and a little bit of time of worship. All of those, would you stand with me as I have a word of prayer? All of those that are getting baptized, we're going to let you be to 